Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be here with you all. Uh, thank you, Zach, and uh, whoever plans chapels for the invitation. This is, I think, the third time I've been invited to come and share with you all here at Central Christian College. And uh, this is the third space I've been in to share at Central Christian College for chapel, uh, which is kind of crazy. Uh, three different rooms, and uh, which works for me because I've been pastoring in a multi-site church for about 11 years. So I get to go to different places anyway, and so this is kind of normal uh, to be in different places and sharing with different groups of people. So I'm excited to be here with you today and, and share with you. When Zach asked me if I would come and share with you about this uh, particular theme that you all are working through through the whole year, uh, not a fan, I knew it was like when he asked me in the summer, it was based on a book and when I, I had a lot of time until October, and so I just kind of filed it in the back of my mind. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll put it on my calendar. It'll pop up later. And so when it did, I was like, oh, I know there's a book based on this, but I'm probably not going to have time to read it. And so I downloaded it on Audible. Maybe you do this too. I don't know. Uh, and I listened to it at 2x speed, which is kind of typical for me, uh, while I drive. And uh, I don't read a thousand books a year like Zach does, but I... Uh, tried to digest this book while I was driving, and uh, I resonated with a lot of this book, Not a Fan. And uh, I've been a pastor for about 24 years now, and I've walked with a lot of people, and I resonate with this idea and this contrast between uh, being a fan, this uh, enthusiastic admirer, uh, or the difference of between a f that and a follower, someone who is patterning their life after uh, Jesus, and looking to, to him as the one to, to kind of do everything that they can to, to, to look like Jesus, to be an apprentice of Jesus. But you know, before I go any follow, far, farther, <laughs> follower, before I go any farther, I want to acknowledge that you're maybe here today and you don't see yourself as a fan, and maybe you don't see yourself as a follower either. Maybe you're here in this room and you need a third category. Maybe you see yourself on the fence. Uh, and maybe you came to Central Christian College without that experience of uh, a faith in Jesus. And maybe you're here for other reasons. And you know, I am going to go out on a limb here. I don't work here. I didn't go to school here. But I really believe that the people who are a part of this college... They want this to be the safest place on earth for you to experience a community where you can safely discover what it might be like to follow Jesus. Now, despite all the best efforts and intentions of people around you, uh, and the recognition that even in a place like this, even in a room like this, in a crowd, you might still feel alone. College can be a fantastic opportunity to stretch your mind, to deepen your faith, to develop new relationships, but it can also be an incredibly difficult season of loneliness. My friend and uh, author and speaker, Liz Bohannon, shared some sobering thoughts recently with The Life Church about loneliness. And I encourage you to go watch it. No, not now. <laughs> Put your phones away. <laughs> Later. But uh, 
I hijacked a few of her alarming statistics about loneliness in America that I want to share with you uh, just to kind of highlight them. But instead of telling you, I want to show you. So if your last name starts with the letter A through the letter P, would you stand up where you are? Letter A through the letter P. Just stand up where you are. It's your last name, letter A through the letter P. Just stand up for us. All right. Everyone look, just take a look around. Kind of get a feel for the room. This is roughly 66% or two-thirds of the group. And this is where we are in America right now is two-thirds of the people in America are saying they are lonely. Two out of three in this room, two out of three in your community, two out of three in your church, two out of three in your sports team, two out of three in your neighborhood are saying they are lonely. Soak in that for just a bit. Okay, you can sit down. Now, it probably comes as no surprise to you that uh, there's been a sharp increase since 2012 when the use of smartphones in America hit 50%, and the effect of this on this loneliness epidemic is just now starting to kind of show up. And in fact, in May of 2023, the Surgeon General of the United States released an 80-page advisory stating that loneliness in America is the single greatest threat to both our physical and our mental health. However, he says this, and I quote, our relationships are a source of healing and well-being hiding in plain sight. Now, sadly, 12%, 12 will admit or talk about the struggle they have with loneliness, which tells us there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame about feeling alone and in particular there's a lot of shame among young people and among men so we have something in common i'm not young <laughs> now before i go any farther i just want to say this you are not alone in feeling alone if that's you and you're here today, and that's what you've been feeling. You're one of those two out of three. You are not alone. You saw the room. Two out of three of the people in here, two out of the three in your hall, are feeling the same way. Now, I'm going to spare you the whole details of my life story, especially the confusing and twisted family details of my life. But uh, uh, I, I was a family that we went to church. We were probably more fans of Jesus than followers. My dad always went to church when it wasn't a fishing season or hunting season. That was kind of when he showed up. But my mom had us in church most of the time. But I had a powerful experience with God when I was an eighth grader at summer camp. And I got baptized when I got back, and I started to take my faith in Jesus seriously. Now, I was a B-plus student at best who never really cracked a book in school. I excelled at sports and drama and music. I was a leader in FCA, in my youth group. 
But then high school came to an end. And several people in my home church expressed their disapproval with my college choice. They felt like the choice that I made for college was going to affect my faith negatively, and they let me know it. And that pushed me away from my church. And that hurt. Later on that summer, I had two surgeries that one of them involved some complications that kept me from working that summer, kept me from swimming, kept me from golfing, kept me from doing a lot of things with my friends in which I began to isolate more from others. Then my parents decided to sell our house and move out of state for the very first time in their entire lives. They left Kansas. And so three days before I went to college, the moving truck pulled out of our driveway. I didn't leave for college. They left me. I moved seven miles away from where I grew up to go to school. I moved into the dorm by myself, carrying boxes into my freshman room. My roommate, a high school friend of mine, he was on tour with a music group he'd been with all summer, and he didn't get back in time to actually move in on the day we were supposed to, so he joined me a couple days later, and it ended up he transferred a semester at semester, so I ended up even lonelier. Within a few months of graduation, the community that had raised me, that had taught me, that had coached me, that had carried me for the first 18 years of my life, all seemed to have abandoned me. And I was struggling. You see, we are not meant to follow Jesus alone. Because I went from being a follower to a fan to a secret admirer to an acquaintance who barely even acknowledges you at the store. Now, my story illustrates an important truth that I hope you learn and never forget. Because I believe it is impossible to follow Jesus alone. Would you say that with me? It's impossible to follow Jesus alone. It's impossible to follow Jesus alone. I believe that. You see, when Jesus called the disciples to follow him, they immediately formed a community. They couldn't just follow him on the Instagram and stay put where they were. Life as they knew it had to change. They had to physically go where he went. They had to eat what he ate. They had to sleep where he slept. All of their life was shared together. Not just with Jesus, but with one another. And suddenly, Matthew, the tax collector, the educated one, He's sleeping right next to Andrew, the blue-collar fisherman, the roughneck guy. And they got to share life together. They got to share food together. They got to figure this out together. Now, we don't have all the anecdotes of what actually happened in the scriptures, but can you imagine the sights, the sounds, the smells of these 13 guys traveling together, eating together? sleeping together, right? All the wrong turns they made and nobody wants to ask for directions. All the times that they passed food and passed gas, right? All the snoring that kept each other awake. This was real community, life together. And in the midst of this real community, Jesus says to them in John, 
chapter 13. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you love one another. Jesus made it clear to his disciples that they couldn't follow him on their own. And in fact, it would be their love for one another that would signify their status as followers. And without that love, we're like a fan in the stands with clanging cymbals together, right? That's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just making noise, cheering on Jesus. But I'm not doing the work. When love is missing, fractures in the community develop, allowing misunderstanding and bitterness and resentment to start to seep in. And this is why Paul's letters in the early church were often sent to address human dynamics, human diversity, human divisions. Paul is trying to hold these communities together because it's so easy for us to pull apart, isn't it? It's so easy for us to go our own way. It's so easy for us to divide. Now clearly, it wasn't all roses in these early churches. But Paul urged them, don't give up on each other. Keep following Jesus. He encouraged them to honor one another, serve one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, and let's not forget, greet one another with the holy kiss. Well, that one got cut out by all the youth pastors. That was causing problems. But the other ones, there's 59 of these one another's in the New Testament. 59 times we're to do these things with one another. Seems important. As these Christian communities multiplied and spread to new regions, it brought new challenges. But they stayed devoted to a handful of simple practices that connected them to God and connected them to one another. That's all it was. Persecution came and it deepened their dedication to the faith and their dependence upon one another. Their lives became intertwined like a family, like brothers and sisters. And what affected one affected everyone. Just like when one of your siblings uses up all the hot water and nobody gets hot water. Everything is connected. And despite all the challenges they went through, community was the bedrock of the Christian community. The early church, that's what it was all about. Now, if we fast forward 2,000 years of church history, I'd love to unpack all that with you but you wouldn't get to lunch and I would never get invited back. So we're going to skip that and you can ask more questions of later. But barring a few exceptions, I really believe the modern American church is perfectly designed to attract fans of Jesus who sit out there in the bleachers while paid professionals teach or dare I say entertain. Fans of Jesus, love Jesus, don't they? I don't doubt that. If that's where you are, it's okay. I was there too. But followers of Jesus, they don't just love Jesus, they love others 
like Jesus. And I found that it's in community where the difference becomes clear. It's when you're with other people that you find out, am I a fan or am I really a follower? You see, God has made known to us in Jesus, and Jesus has made known to us through his body. Brothers and sisters living in community. We can't fully know Christ apart from being fully known by others. It's impossible to follow Jesus alone. I mean, how could we fulfill this new commandment of Jesus that he gave to his disciples? To love one another. We couldn't do it if we weren't together in community. And community is not found sitting in rows, listening to one person talking from the stage. It happens in circles. It happens in circles where you sit so close that your knees almost touch. It happens when you're doing the things like praying, serving, studying the Bible, and sharing pizza, sharing life, loving one another. You know, I'm really thankful that I found a community like that when I was in college. And it buoyed me and my faith back into the church where I've been serving for now 24 years trying to create that community for other people. You see, belonging is one of the most important of all of our human needs. Not belonging to some organization, not belonging to a sports team or a church or a club, but belonging where you are really known, where you can be vulnerable and people are available. When you call and you need to talk, they're there for you. And a local church can be a great place to connect with people like this. But just like here in this room, it's easy to be lonely in the crowd. Going to church is not going to be enough to follow Jesus. For Jesus to be real, we have to get real with a few other followers of Jesus. Now, we have a small group of young adults who are trying to do just this over at our church at Grand. They call themselves 180. It's all about turning toward Jesus and trying to follow him. It's a group for young adults, led by young adults, that meets every Wednesday at 6 p.m. There are several of them here today. They just want to be available to connect with you, to share information with you if you want to know more, to invite you to come. You can stop by the table out here, pick up a piece of candy, find out some more about it, just say hi. It's encouraging. But here's the thing. Authentic Christian community has become to me like this rose. It's beautiful, right? I love roses. They're like a metaphor for me of, of what community is really like. And, and we can all admire this rose from a distance, right? You can see how beautiful it is, especially the light. Man, it's just um, and, and so everyone can, can admire that. And we might even want to get up close and kind of smell the, the essence of what's going on there. When you see community, it's kind of enticing. You want to get close to it. But we can also 
just almost innately understand that it is fragile. And so nobody wants to touch it because we might mess it up. We might alter it or affect it in some way. We might cause one of the petals to fall. Even children understand this, right? They are careful when they're around a flower like this because it's so beautiful and they have to be careful. But here's the thing. If we really want to experience the fullness of its beauty, if we want to grab hold of it and experience what community is really like, we've got to navigate this one. We have to deal with all of the faults of the people. All of my faults. And it's hard, right? To engage with one another in community. It's scary. But I'm telling you, it's so worth it. You can't follow Jesus alone. It's impossible. You see, the lonely world we're living in it won't just know us by our love. It probably is the only way they might come to know Jesus is through our love. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you revealed yourself to us by coming to live among us, to reveal your love, to build a community with your disciples, to begin the church. God, to spark a movement. And Lord, I pray that the Spirit would continue to move here in this place. Among these students, faculty, staff, and that it would carry out into this community people would come to know you by their love. God, help real community to form here. I pray for vulnerable conversations, for the hurts that are happening to be shared, for there to be healing, that your presence felt here. God, take us from a place of fear, a place of apathy, a place of unwillingness to step out, to risk for the sake of this beautiful thing of community. Give us courage. Lead us to a place that you can take us on. I pray that for everyone here today, that they might experience the beauty of following you together with others. I pray that in your holy name.